Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hello, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail, and we are delighted to welcome you to today's episode of Women Over 70. As you know by now, our signature is featuring women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who are leading lives that illustrate inspiring ways to learn, contribute, and make a difference as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest is not scripted or rehearsed, although we will focus on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. So today we're delighted to have a conversation with our guest, Karen Rekshoffman, who is 78 years old, lives in the Chicago area. And some of the things we want to talk with Karen about uh, range from her career trajectory, which she says was essentially unplanned. And she's felt like doing what she wants to do, which has been a gift. She's uh, been a long time work in social work and community organizing. She has, um, she's going to give us a bit of a history lesson in women's reproductive rights. And she's going to also talk about not only her career, but her more recent career, which is making art with found objects and um, she can direct us to her website and we can learn more about her that way. And how, what is going on right now, which is uh, in large part a caretaking role with her husband and just how she thinks about aging and what next. And I had a delightful conversation with Karen yesterday. I know we're in for a treat. She has great insight, is candid, and we're going to learn a lot with her. So welcome, Karen. We're really happy to have you with us. Thank you. So Karen, why don't we just start with sort of the easy, easy way and, and have you tell us a bit about your unplanned career trajectory. Well, having graduated from high school in 1958, it was the time when nobody said to me during that period, what, what would you like to go into? You know, the assumption, I think, was that girls would be um, teachers mm -hmm. or nurses or get married or first speak churches at church, <laughs> nurses or teachers. And social work wasn't an option in my past because I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, and we didn't have any people who acknowledge the need for, for social mm -hmm. workers. Mm -hmm. So that's something I came to later. Anyway, so my reason for saying that is we didn't plan our careers. And I think my personality also does not lend itself to a linear kind of development, mm -hmm. but that's separate. <laughs> so how did I come to social work? Is that what you want to know? Well, yeah, you, you went to college and what did you, what was your, did you have an undergraduate major? Yeah, my undergraduate, I told uh, you yesterday, Catherine, that I had a very spotty college career. I went to four different undergraduate schools, mm -hmm. all of them good ones, <laughs> interesting. 
Um, and I ended up at Roosevelt University here in Chicago, which had at that time, I think even more of a social justice um, emphasis. Yeah. It, it was called the um, letterhead said education for freedom. Mm. Now it says university by the lakefront. Oh, oh. So I think, I think they've, um, yeah, it, it may, I think it's still, you know, very big on social justice, mm -hmm. but it was the first school I'd gone to having gone through a New England school, North Dakota school, University of Minnesota, that had this emphasis. And I had amazing professors who were kind of lefty, I guess. And um, I, I already had that political persuasion, even though I didn't grow up with, um, I grew up with people who believed in the Republicans. But anyway, so that that's the background. Mm -hmm. And um, as I told Catherine, I've always been interested in women's issues, partly because we were not, um, we were second class citizens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we really were, you know. I mean, talk, we were talking about sex yesterday and the, the, uh, message was men have to have it, women don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if something happens, you're the one who's caught. Oh yeah. yeah, and you're and you should be able to control yourself and all like that. So I and as I told you, I had a uh, child. I, I I went. I was a candidate and a resident of a maternity home in Chicago when I was 19, mm -hmm. which is what brought me to Chicago. We, we, and that was called Home for Unwed Mothers, wasn't it? Something like yes. that? Yes. The name of the place was Chicago Foundling Home. Foundling Home. Oh, and yes. It, it was over by Rush, by Cook County, actually. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got an amazing education there. I think that's when I first got interested in social work, mm -hmm, per se, mm -hmm. because I remember talking to a woman who worked there as a receptionist, I think she'd actually been a resident who stayed on as a receptionist. And she said, what do you want to, what, what are you interested in when you go back to school? I said, social work. She said, social work, you know, why wouldn't you go into business? <laughs> so I think, you know, there've been all along the way, there've been little signals that that's what I, oh, and I have one other signal when I was in eighth grade, Maybe you remember these. They had something called a Cooter Preference Test. Kids would take this test and it would say what you were going to be good in. Mm -mm. And your parents came and they... No. So actually that was a little forward looking now that I think of it. And one of the things they said, oh, Karen could do anything. Oh. But she's really high in social work. I'm like, social work? That's like <laughs> those, black, to you, those but... black high top shoes, you know, the, the old ladies. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, when I was in eighth grade, that was totally a, a horrible idea. Mm -hmm. So when I put together all these things in, you know, retrospect, I think, oh, my God. The signals were there all along. <laughs> the signals were there all along. You know, I'm very social. I, I like to... Uh, solve people's problems whether they want me to or not <laughs> and uh, so it was a natural may i it, ask you i'm curious to know you said you went to four undergraduate schools yeah was that by choice 
Well, the first one I went to, I I had way too much fun. So it was kind of a mutual agreement that I go somewhere else. My parents were pretty mad at me also. So then I went to school in Fargo at North Dakota State for about two or three quarters. And that was not good either because I... Did you have too much fun in Fargo also? I had a little too much fun in Fargo, yeah, (laughs) right. So that's when I got in trouble. Um, Somewhere, I think I went to Minnesota before North Dakota. I can't even remember. Oh yeah, they never mind. (laughs) I went. I at one point I was my parents had me hospitalized because they thought that I was out of control. So I was hospitalized Mm -hmm. in the University of Minnesota hospitals for a couple months, and when I got out, I got to go to the University of Minnesota. So. Then, yeah, that was it. Then I went back to Fargo, and that's when I got wild again. So that's how I got to Chicago. And I just, just for our younger listeners, when you were doing your residency Mm -hmm. at the Foundling Home, this was before... So it's 19, I was 19, so it's 1960. Yeah, so before the pill, before birth control was readily available, before abortion was legal... All of those before. Well, before sex was. Oh, before sex before was. Yeah. Before sex was legal. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> there were. I mean, you know, people. The diaphragm had been invented. Mm-hmm. I mean, but what? Where kids, could you get it? Right. Yeah, really. And also, what kids would ever go get a diaphragm? You know, you just would. You know, think I won't be unlucky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, after we talked the other day, I I think I wrote you the. Pill came out in 60, but it wasn't widespread until 65, although it must have been more used because I know when I got married in 63, I was on the pill. I mean, right away. Uh So, I mean, I don't know what you two remember. In the early 60s, there was the pill. Right. But it was revolutionary. I was on it. Pardon? I was on it. Yeah, it was revolutionary. It was high dosage. Right. There was this, when really I worked high. for adolescent pregnancy later, and we would do you know public education, the amount and people say, oh, I don't want to take those hormones. The amount of of hormone in the pill mm-hmm. in the early pill mm-hmm. was as much in one day as in a month. Yes. Later on. Yes. That's so, what we started on. Yes. Yeah. When I was right. at the University of Minnesota, starting '67. We, the, we couldn't get birth control pills through the health center. We had to go to Planned Parenthood. And that okay, was, yeah, and that was 67. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. yeah. My mother is listening. So, <laughs> um, so let's move ahead to, so I think that's just a really important history lesson for, for all of us to remember mm-hmm. uh, yes. what was going on then and some of uh, the, the current uh, efforts to set us back decades um but so you went on you've got a degree you you had you had children you yeah I had a BA in history and then in those days I think I told you everybody who didn't have education credits women particularly would work for the welfare department Mm. Cook County Department of Public Aid and I think that's what totally solidified my interest in social work because 
we had caseloads that were, I think I had, I can't remember, 30 ADC recipients and disability and general assistance, which I don't think these categories probably mean that much to people now. But what it meant was you went out and visited people in their homes. Mm -hmm. And in my area in Woodlawn was just two blocks. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it was an eye opener. It was, um, the, in, this is in the 60s, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. this is when Johnson was, when there were assistance programs, when there, there was money being poured into mm -hmm. anti-poverty. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I did that for two years and mm -hmm. then went to uh, University of Chicago for my social work mm -hmm. degree. And finished, have a master's in social yeah, work. Yeah, I have a master's in social work and I finished there pregnant with twins. Twins. Oh, <laughs> so I took a little break from working for a while, mm -hmm. yeah. And then at some point, I think that along the way you got divorced, you returned to social work. Right. And you remarried. And then there's some moving to, or spending time in Arizona. Arizona's kind of boring for you. And all of a sudden, you start making art. So I said, how does that happen? Because I could be in Arizona bored to tears and I wouldn't be able to make art. Well, you don't know what you would do. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what did you tell me the person you just interviewed said when you think about something other than yourself? Other than yourself. Yeah, yeah other than yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's her recipe for mm -hmm. what's for successful aging, mm -hmm. but it's also for successful living, mm -hmm. you know, because, well, I'm a junker. I mean, I, Maxwell Street, I used to love mm -hmm. it. You know, I, I go occasionally. Now it's not as good, but you still find stuff. So, I mean, that's related to making art mm -hmm. because if you see something that can be converted to something else. So on the website, your website, it says you, you work with found objects and you turn them into something that's beautiful and meaningful to often <laughs> with, to you, <laughs> often with this uh, ecological, political, feminist, right. there's some message to most of what you do. Yeah, mostly, mostly. Um, if you looked at it, yeah, I, I mean, there, I, for a while I got into making these trucks that are like what the conveyances are in Pakistan, because I saw mm. a picture of one. I mean, they're amazing. And so that didn't have a social. Well, maybe I wrote social In messages. What ways were they amazing? Because they are the decoration is just unbelievable. And these are you know people who don't have very much in these trucks. They invest so much in, oh. and they're they have messages that are religious or apocryphal. But I guess yes. When I made them, when I made these little trucks, and I got a prize oh. for those mm. from some art show out in Indiana. They were very cool. I mean, even I have to say so. <laughs> but I, uh, so that those were, constri I constructed those. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I'd get the base maybe from the Goodwill and then, you know, with my glue gun or my mm -hmm. bottle caps or. And you've, you've made furniture. That's, that's I don't that, make it. I, I you convert it. Convert it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What I, yeah. Right. Right. Found objects. Exactly. I love that term. Tell us about the Motherhood Project. Oh, that was exciting. Um, it's on my website. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
this is in Arizona. I'm, you know, bored. It's beautiful there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I don't want to down Arizona. It's just, you know, my friends, my social life is mostly here. I have, I have people there, but it's just a very different mm-hmm. life. If great library read all the time, but I was thinking, what is, um, I know a lot of people, right? So I wonder what, if I could ask them all just to give me one statement, not to overthink it about what, how they feel about motherhood. These are mothers, of course. Mm-hmm. And I sent out about a hundred emails and I got over 60 responses. And if you've ever done survey research, which I did have that job as well one time, it's an amazing mm-hmm. response rate for just throwing out a question. So this, so then my task was, how was I going to um, organize this to make art out of it? And I had a little cradle that was in too bad condition to give it to any kid. And I got all these muslin dolls. I didn't make them. I got them from some hobby house or something. You know, they're like 50 cents a piece for the little ones. And it's a monochromatic. It's a black and white um, theme. So everybody that responded to me has a either space on the cradle or their answer written on one of these dolls. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. One of my friends says, you know, you really should write a book from that. And I'm like, take too long. I wouldn't have enough to say, you know, but it, it is amazing what people say. I mean, everybody who's, a, are you a mother? I am. Yeah, you're a mother. I mean, you know, it's like. I was a mother at 19. Oh my gosh. So you probably have many things to say. I mean, from different stage, different yes, points. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Well, one of the things looking at the website, the Motherhood Project, um, about motherhood, these are not all pie in the sky. Motherhood is wonderful, lovely. Oh, not like, at all. These were down home. <laughs> candid realistic, realistic. Yeah. I mean one I'm thinking of right now was a privilege and a prison oh yes yes, yes. yeah yeah I think I in the, in on my website I think I wrote a little about mm-hmm. that it, yeah it's yes. not just I mean you don't have to try to yeah. see it but yeah That's no right. it was did I, you I'm, have a purpose with for this project beyond simply creating it no did, did in fact I submitted that? that to a show it didn't get a it wasn't accepted, and I'm like, "What's oh wrong with you? This is, a, this is a great project." Yes, it is. Yeah, it really yeah, is. Yeah, but it's okay. I still have it. I have it in a plastic bag. It's yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you have had other. You have had shows though with the Woman Found, Women, Women Made, Women, Women Made, made yeah. Gallery, which I had never heard of before. Okay, it's so a, tell us about that. Women Made is a great gallery. It was started by two women. Um, I, I didn't know them since the beginning. When when I um, discovered them, they were at 19th and Prairie, and they've moved a few times since. Now they're over in Pilsen. Um, it's a, a, a membership gallery. You belong. They have. I can't even. I used to volunteer there, but I don't. I'm I'm not as much around there. I'm not much around there at all. But I think they have eight shows a year that mm-hmm. people submit, mm-hmm. and also um, the gallery space is smaller now. When I was when I had a show up there, it was up on Milwaukee Avenue, and they had enough room to have, in addition to the group show, they wouldn't have invitational oh. shows. Yeah, so yeah, 
So, I mean, I hope I get back involved with them at some point, but so I have a question for you. You um, tell me how how you moved away from social work so completely and did not return to it or did you return to it? I don't think I moved away from it. Um, I told Catherine um, when my my husband's significantly older than I am. And so when he retired, he had a health incident that made me think, you know, maybe I should not be working now. And he's in fine. He's, I mean, he's old, so he's not healthy, but he's, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a life-changing health incident. It was something that just made me think, you know, I loved, I like my work, but you know, I like him too. <laughs> so I, but I don't think I've gotten that far away from it. I mean, I do, Work in. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in the in the people. I'm interested in parks. I'm active um, with reproductive health organizations. I guess we're active in contributing and inviting people to be involved. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm not. I feel bad. I don't do more volunteer work, but we split our time between here and Arizona. So you know, it's like. I can volunteer to tutor a kid until I leave in the middle of the mm -hmm. school year. I mean, that's the, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe it's a cop out, but yeah. So, and I said, I live in a building with a lot of older people. So I try to pay attention to them. <laughs> that's social work. Well, it is, it's all, it's part of you. It's part of your DNA to, right, to right, want to right. look out for people, for children, for, for, yeah. And art, the way you do art in itself, it seems to me that it has a social aspect. Yeah, it has a projection of of the things I believe in yes. that I think everybody should pay. I mean, climate stuff, um, you know, the monarch butterflies going away, and we have to pay attention to that, and the frog populations. For a while, I was totally fixated on frogs because that... They're like the canary in the cold mine, coal mine. Once the when they start dying off, and monarchs are coming back a little. What happens when the frogs die off? Well, it, it's the well. Actually, I think lately there's been more information that it might be some kind of a virus. But originally, when they started seeing decimation of frog populations, it was felt that the you know the climate the atmosphere mm -hmm. was they're, they're sensitive mm -hmm. and so they're if they're experiencing it what's going to happen next you know it's a yes right i don't know if i'm explaining that what I, yeah that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah but anyway they were an indicator of bigger environmental issues exactly mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. So it's, can you say a little bit more about your life now? Your, um, I know that you, you're spending a good bit of time with your husband. He and probably then, would say I'm not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you are. But I am. I don't, tra I don't travel. And, you know, I'm, I haven't been a huge traveler in my life anyway, except I do have kids on the West Coast and, mm -hmm. so, and grandkids. So previously I went to visit them for more more often and for longer periods, which I haven't done since he's more frail. Um, 
and he's almost 92 and he's a retired sleep researcher so he's got a good brain which means he he still has a really good sense of humor i said sense of humor is supposed to be a sign of intelligence mm-hmm. so um but you know the limitations are there so we i think the best way i can describe it is i am available and present and we always have meals and i'm glad i like to cook because mm-hmm. it would really get old mm-hmm. if it didn't right yes. right i mean not that i cook every night but there's mm-hmm. subway you know yeah, right. It's always subway. <laughs> right. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, does that answer your question at all? Maybe. Yeah, I'm... it does. And then I'm wondering, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but um, having a husband who's older and now seeing him a- aging and, and declining. declining, how do you think about your own aging or do you think? About oh, yeah, it? I definitely do. Um, it's very, it's very informative. It's, I mean, I used to, my mother lived to be 96 and she died maybe six years ago. In her last couple of years, she was very diminished. And that was kind of upsetting to me in the sense that this is my DNA, you know, and this is, you know, if I follow her trajectory, I'm probably going to live pretty old. And am I going to be goofy like that? (laughs) So now I'm looking at Al, who's got a terrible memory, but he's interested in watching the politics. He's interested in, he still thinks about his research. And he's got a very good attitude about diminishing, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. So what is his attitude? Well, you know, the, today we had a guest at lunch and he said something about, you know, my memory. He, oh, her, she was telling her about her 88 year old father who had a, um, was fishing off of the Randolph street pier and he had a health incident. He woke up, somebody was giving him CPR and he was in the ambulance. <laughs> and Al says, well, I'm in really good health. <laughs> and I'm like, you, all right. He said, yeah, my memory's not so good, but I'm like, he's, he knows this other guy also. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, Steve is out there fishing and playing tennis and you're like, you go outside in the yard because that's a nice way to get fresh air. But, you know, the, we went to a restaurant last night in the neighborhood, you know, there's very mm-hmm. diminished uh, mobility. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's an interesting way to look at it, that you you haven't had that experience. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're healthy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good health except for my memory. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a weird way to yeah, describe yeah. it. But, yeah. Would you describe yourself as a caregiver? You know, I never liked that term. And now I've decided, yeah, I'm a caregiver. And I read something just recently that said when somebody, if you're a caregiver and somebody asks you how you are as a caregiver, you shouldn't just say fine. You should say, well, yeah, you know, this is going on and it's kind of a 
change. I mean, this is what the way I, yes, I am a caregiver, but um, it's uncharted territory. Yes. It's new, it's new territory. And, you know, life is an adventure. So, if, I mean, you can think of it as, oh God, this is so <laughs> terrible. Or you can think of it as, I wonder what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. And are you the latter? More likely to be the latter? think the latter? Most of the time, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure, I mean, there are times that I'm sure I'm like, oh, gag me or, <laughs> or choke me or something. But mostly, no, I think I just wonder what course mm -hmm. it will take. Mm -hmm. And what is that? What are the implications for me? As I said, I yeah. have two kids on the West Coast, one in mm -hmm. Evanston. And my mother, to her credit, I'm guessing to her credit, maybe it's because she didn't want to be around us, but she uh, found a retirement home that she wanted to live in. And then she remarried after 17 years of widowhood at age 83. Oh, yeah, see, wow. there you go. And, okay. <laughs> and she was, she said, that's where I want to be. You know, I don't want to burden any of my children. You know, she was, she had enough means to, it wasn't the fanciest one that we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier, but she had means to be able to do, to do that. And so I think, I don't know that I like that idea. I mean, for myself, like, well, who's going to take care of me, uh -huh. you know? And I don't think it's to go to the old people's home, as we used to call them. You know, I don't know what, you're in Oak Park, where do you live? Downtown Chicago. The old people love the, what's that thing, right downtown, what am I, the Claire. The Claire, yes. People love the Claire, they love the Mather. Right. They like Montgomery Place in Hyde Park. Mm -hmm. And lately, I've actually started to think when I can't remember people's names, which is the first thing to go. <laughs> Maybe the reason people like to live in those places is because you're around everybody who understands what your experience in, mm -hmm. increasing mm -hmm. limitations are. Mm -hmm. You think? I, I've heard, yes, I've heard that from a number. I have a number of friends who've moved to retirement communities, and uh, my mother's been in a assisted living for many years. And it, there is, yes, it is about being around people who get it. Um, Carla, who's episode four, I think, mm -hmm. uh, is 85, and she and her husband moved to a retirement community a couple of years ago. So there's a, there's a great deal of comfort. You don't have to explain. People just get it. And then you keep looking forward as much as possible. Yeah, well, I, I, when I was younger, that thought never occurred mm -hmm. to me. Well, growing up in North Dakota, Minnesota, we, you know, we pretty much kept our old people in the back bedroom. But That's true. Um. That's true. My grandmother stayed in her own house until she had a heart attack driving her girlfriend somewhere. I mean, mm. so I think there is a strong... Um, strain of independence, mm -hmm. even in the years when women were, you know, supposed to be on the bottom or subservient. Mm -hmm. so. It's something to think about, that's for sure. What to do? Do you stay living alone? You're not living alone yet, so you don't have that issue. No. But if you are living alone, then... Who is going to take care of you? What, hap what, what does happen 
if there's an incident. Yeah, how do you how adjust does someone your life? Know? Right. And so a lot, a lot of people I know are preparing to move or have already moved to Retire. senior senior community uh, communities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's another adventure. Adventure. <laughs> Uncharted. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course, you have to get on the waiting list. That's the part that doesn't quite and compute for me. There's a whole uh, a range of senior communities right absolutely and so what you can afford and what you would like might not Mm -hmm. be the same Mm -hmm. and there's a lot to to think about yep (laughs) so i um i just want to come back to something because about your art making art because you you've you i think you said you've kind of taken a, a somewhat a break from that because of your being caring for your husband, but then you said, "Well, I found some sticks and I found some chicken bones." <laughs> I collected the chicken bones. I didn't find them. Okay, <laughs> you collected them. Well, they're the wish bones. The wish bones yes. from Costco chickens, probably. Okay, or some. You know. So that is the beginning of yeah, a pro- some project, yeah, some art maybe. project. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, send you a picture, please. I had to put this stick in the freezer because I. It had some ants on it, and I thought, oh, my God, I can't have bring bugs <laughs> in the house. So I don't know. Do you think a day overnight was enough? Well, I to think kill no, I think they'll just come back to life. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, I'm um, excited about that. Yeah, that's that's great. So 30 minutes goes by very quickly, and um, we really enjoyed talking with you, Karen. You too, both. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. So we've been uh, we've been uh, in our studio here at the School of Continuing and Professional Studies at DePaul, where we record some of our conversations. Thank you for joining us here. It's nice to be able to sit around the table together. Oh, in person is much better yeah. for me. Yes. So I want to thank you, Karen, for your thoughtfulness, your candor, um, your provocative perspectives, which we like to say, this is what we do. We bring in, bring on people who have provocative perspectives. So thank you for sharing yours. Well, also tell them it's not, you don't feel old just because you're over 70. Yes. How do you feel? I just feel like I always felt. (laughs) (laughs) And before we depart, tell us your website so people can look at your work. Oh, it's uh, www.karenrechtschaffen, which is spelled R-E-C-H-T-S-C-H-A-F-F-E-N.com. All right, yeah. and when the episode releases, we will have that information. You, the, that information will be available to people. Yeah, thank you. Thank That's you. Nice. All right, well, this is so, very enjoyable. Thank you for joining us today. And our weekly Wednesday podcast is only as valuable as you, our listeners, find it. We hope you will subscribe, rate, and review it wherever you listen. And please share your thoughts on the show. We want you to add to the conversation, to provide feedback, and to become an active participant of our Facebook community, Women Over 70. Please invite your younger friends, family, and colleagues to join in. Our goal is to create an intergenerational conversation. And if you know a woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us. See you on Facebook and next week on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined.
Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.